Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. Thoughts and comments expressed here are the opinions of Chad and Lou, and not necessarily those of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studios. Caution, this show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. Welcome to Episode 7 of Musically Challenged Duets, your weekly helping of random music conversation based on pretty much whatever topic we want. I'm your host, Lou Easy Lover Schwalbach. Alongside me is Chad Endless Love Knight. This episode will be talking about duets. Duets, if done right, can be simply amazing. The melodies together and the two voices harmonizing on a good duet are a joy to listen to. Also, it can show if there's a chemistry between the artists. The bottom line, a good chemistry is going to equal a good song. On the flip side, two artists who are forced to work together with questionable chemistry often put out a bad duet. Fortunately for us listeners, most record companies are good at recognizing shitty duets, and they don't often make it to radio play and usually get shoved to the lower tracks of a release. Today, Chad and I will be talking about our favorite duets we've come across either through personal experience or online searching. Just to clarify, we'll be considering a duet with two individual artists collaborating on a song, as opposed to an artist who guest appears or a team of two artists who are an established band. So, sorry Queen and David Bowie, Under Pressure won't be qualifying for our conversation today, nor will anyone to the likes of Simon and Garfunkel or Hall & Oates. Not saying they're not awesome, just saying they're not really what we're going for here. So, to kick this off, Chad, what do you got for me? You know, I've got, uh, to me, it's one of the duets that you have to recognize as one of the better ones put out. I Got You, Babe, by Sonny and Cher. Oh, absolutely. You know, Sonny Bono and Cher, and her last name is about a mile long and very Greek, so I'm not even going to attempt this here, but they released this in 1965. Uh, made it out to number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Listen to this. I got you to hold my hand I got you to understand I got you to walk with me This song about having each other's back is simple and to the point, and I think that's why it struck a chord with, well, everyone. In 1985, UB40 did a cover of this song and took its number 28 on the same chart that Sonny and Cher took its number one, the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. What are your thoughts on this song, Lou? You know, and one could make an argument for this being an actual true duet. The argument against it would be that it's Sonny and Cher, an established band, just like, again, as I mentioned before, Hall & Oates, etc. However... Cher was a a solo artist, so Sonny collaborating with could be a duet in itself. That being said, it's a good song. I mean, you're exactly right. You touched on all the important points that it is very poignant for having each other's backs. Um, It's it's just great for that. And honestly, it's a good married couple song. It is a shame the way that they turned out because I think they ended up splitting up. Yeah, they did. But... It just—it really did kind of show that they had good chemistry and that they cared for each other to have that back and forth song. Right, and you know, 1965 to have a song like this is kind of out of place, but you know, it still worked, and and I really enjoyed it. So, what do you got, uh, Lou? I've got one that's going to be a little bit more current, um, and that's going to be 
Bill Medley and Jennifer Warren's the song I've Had the Time of My Life. Anybody who has seen Dirty Dancing knows this song yep. from that and for the incredible amount of airplay that it got when it came out in 1987. And all the school dances oh my God. that it played at repetitively. If I would have gone to dances, then I would agree with you. But I didn't really partake in that, so I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Let's have a listen here for those of you who may not have heard this before. As I mentioned, I mean, this did go in Dirty Dancing. It is an upbeat couple song about how they love each other. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of the movie. I mean, it's kind of a chick flick. And while I do like some chick flick movies, this one just really doesn't do it for me. However, that being said, I mean, it's, it's a good song. The scene is, I think the AFI even maybe even ranked it up there on like a scene of movies that you have to see or something like that. I mean, it's a good duet song because they call it Medley and Warrens. They work so well off each other. And they have great harmonization. I think the song itself just works perfect, and it's it's a loving song for any couple. Yeah, I would agree with that, absolutely. Now, as far as the movie goes, I'm not the world's biggest fan, but I've seen it a lot of times because my wife loves that movie. You know, it's just one of those things. Let's move on here. So my next one is actually uh, The Girl is Mine by Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney. It's a story of two guys fighting over a girl. From the things she tells them both, she still hasn't quite made up her mind about who she's going to choose. Michael says, the doggone girl is mine. Where Paul retorts, uh, without saying everything he is doing uh, to get the girl is a waste of time. Well, here, check out this snippet. I'm so proud I am the only one who is special in her heart. The girl is mine. They do both realize that they can't share her, and in 1982, that was probably a good thing. It hit number one on a few U.S. charts and number two on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. It's just a fun duet where they make you feel good through the music and root for one of them. Uh, I used to root for Paul. You? I probably would go for that because, I'll be honest, I really didn't think that Michael Jackson was the type of person to go after women, I'll be honest. but Well, okay, I'm sure you're not the only one. So... And, and, I mean, give it to the underdog, the, the older guy. Let him have the girl. Fair enough. But, you know, uh, at that point, Paul was married, so I uh, can see it going either way. True enough. But, I mean, let's let's jump just for a second. Um, if you recall, the Clapton song Layla was about, uh, what was it, Harrison's wife, I think? Yeah, I think it was. And he wrote a song for her, even though he knew he couldn't have her right away, at least. So, But he got her in the end, right? Um, yeah, actually, I think that's the case. <laughs> All right, so what do you got up next? All right, my next one actually is one that you mentioned on a previous episode when we were talking about alcohol songs, and that's There's a Tear in My Beer. Now, the reason that I have it on a duet this time, though, is because this is the one with Hank Williams Jr., who did a duet with his dad, Sr. Now, this was done in 1988, and the original song is recorded in the 50s by Hank Sr., and it's a classic old-school country sad drinking song. Jr. used his electronic, or not his, but the electronic merging tech to do a duet with his late father in 88, and it's just an ultimate tribute, in my opinion. And here, listen. Last night I walked the floor And the night before 
it's it's a nice version of the song. I really enjoyed it, actually. I thought it was very successful. They worked well together. Granted, they have two very different voices. And styles. And, and styles. I mean, it seems that Junior definitely calmed himself down a little bit to kind of match up with his dad. And it went really well. In fact, actually, it was successful enough to win a shared, finger quotes, Grammy in 1990 for Best Country Vocal Collaboration. Oh, wow. I did not know that. You know, and like I said uh, in that earlier episode, you know, I'm a big fan of both of the Hanks. You know, there was an option where I could have used that as, you know, a drinking song, but I just wanted to keep them separate because they both had their own drinking songs. In all the times that I've seen uh, interviews with Hank Jr., he wasn't upset by the fact that, you know, especially in the beginning, he just went out and sang his dad's music. You know, and everybody was like, oh, you know, that's cute because he was 12 or some, something like that, you know, but as his own style progressed, he never lost sight of... You know, the fact that it was his dad and his dad's music that made him who he was. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's trying to make his own name and not go on his dad's success, which I believe in family tradition, he talks actually about, you know, his daddy's name, sharing his daddy's name. Right, absolutely. And it's very, I mean, it's true, and it's very nice that he realizes that and doesn't just try to take the success and, and has his own thing with his own vocifus. So, okay, up next, I've got a country duet um, as well. This is Islands in the Stream by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. A classic. A classic, a quintessential, you know, duet. Now, Kenny and Dolly did a bunch of duets together through the years. In my thought, uh, Islands in the Stream is one of the best they did. This 1983 U.S. Billboard Hot 100 number one is a great duet from Kenny and Dolly. Like I said, these guys did a lot of duets together, but this one is, is my favorite. It's really a song about friends. They rely on each other for everything from uh-huh. one lover to another. Uh-huh. Right. It's a platonic relationship. And until I really sat down and listened to the song, I guess I didn't realize that. Kenny has an awesome voice. Dolly has Dolly's voice. It's amazing, but I've never heard anything that even comes close to duplicating it. No, not at all. And it's it, you're right. I didn't actually realize the lyrics until I listened to it either. And it was very commonly performed live, actually. Yeah, a lot. But here, let's listen to this. Islands in the stream, that is what we are. No one in between, how can we be wrong? Sail away with me to another world. And we rely on each other, from one lover to another. Solo? What do you think? You know, and, and listen to this again. It was a live version that I remember first hearing. They play well off of each other. I mean, they were Dolly and Kenny. I mean, there was nothing else to say. It was if you said the names Dolly and Kenny, you knew exactly what they were talking about. And they, you're right. They did a ton of different duets. And I think even up until most recently, before Kenny really stopped singing, they still did duets within the last maybe five years or so. And they still sound really good. Yeah, I mean, there are two distinct voices there. You have Kenny's. And Kenny's got a great voice. Did you know Kenny Rogers started out as a rock and roll star? No. Yeah, he did. He uh, he released one or two albums as trying to be a rock star. Realized that he didn't have the 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 chops to do it. Moved over to country and he exploded. Well, I'm gonna have to find some of that because that sounds kind of fascinating, actually. And then you know Dolly's voice. She's just Dolly. What do you got next? I've got one that's a little bit well. In fact, it's actually very more recent. And this is Lady Gaga with Tony Bennett. Lady Gaga actually did 
quite a few duets. They put out a, a CD or an album, whatever you want to call it, called Cheek to Cheek. And they did a song called Anything Goes. Okay. This song was originally written by, written, written by Cole Porter. I'm making up words today. For the musical by the same name, Anything Goes, back in 1934. Okay. It's an upbeat song that's just fun to listen to. And I will say anybody who's ever seen Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom may recall that this is what Kate Capshaw was singing, Willie, at the very beginning of the movie in the club in both English and Mandarin. Okay. Um, let's take a listen to the Lady Gaga version. In olden days, a glimpse of stocking was looked down as something shocking. Now heaven knows anything goes. Good authors, too, who once knew better words, now only use for letter words, writing prose. Anything goes. While many of the duets on this album are great, I really dig this one by Lady Gaga. I'm not a huge fan of hers to begin with. But this one with Tony Bennett was just great. I, I really, really enjoyed it. They sound really well together. And Tony Bennett really, I mean, if Tony Bennett can't make you look good and you can't succeed singing with Tony Bennett, you're a failure as a musician. I would agree with that. You know, I'm not familiar with the song, but I am familiar with both of the artists. And I can see their voices, you know, working really well together. I guess my big question would be, you know, Gaga, does she have the chops to actually sing that kind of music? Absolutely. In fact, she softens her voice up a little bit because usually if you listen to her pop stuff, it has a poppy edge to it. This one almost has a bit of a lounge singer-esque aspect to it, okay. which I, I was a little surprised by. And I might actually consider listening to more of those duets because of just this one experience. Okay. Well, I'll definitely have to go out and take a listen to this one. So up next... I've got one that is a, is a timeless duet, in my estimation. It's Close My Eyes Forever by Lita Ford and Ozzy Osbourne. Now, I love this song. And I'm emphasizing that. Well, here, take a listen. You'll understand why. Baby, I get so scared inside and I don't really understand. Is it love the nineteen eighty eight song released on Lita Ford's album Lita, and it's amazing. It's a story about what happens when you're gone forever. If I close my eyes forever, will it all remain unchanged? Also asked, will it remain the same? How often do we ask the same question? They took this song to the number eight on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. You know, Lou, do you ever do you ever think about what's going to happen after you're gone? I really don't, because I'll be honest. I mean, there's no way to change it. If if I were to stay awake thinking about that kind of thing, I don't think I get any sleep at all. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I do focus on thinking about how the future is going to be, but just for me, if that makes sense. No, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, and what makes me laugh about this song or makes me think about humorous, humorously think about this song is the fact that back in the 90s, you know, the early 90s when this song was huge, we danced to it at dances. We slow danced to this song at dances. And then you sit down and you really listen to the words and you go, wait, what? You know, kind of thing, so... You know, I have to say, and I'm just going to put this out here, I don't know if I could ever dance to a song with Ozzy's voice in it. 
Actually, Ozzy's voice... No, no, I'm not complaining. I dig Ozzy's voice. He's got one of those that you could pick him out of a crowd in a heartbeat. Right. But I'm just saying, though, I mean, with him even doing a power ballad, like Mom, I'm Coming Home, for example. Right. Slow song, one of my favorite of his, of his more, I think it's off of No More Tears. Okay. One of my favorite songs of his, not really something that is danceable, but, you know, hey, it's, if that's what it was happened, that's what happened. Yeah, you know, it was just one of those things, but... Here's one I... Uh, sorry to cut you off there. No, that's one, fine. One thing I found on my on my research, Lita Ford did a live version of this song with Lizzie Hale. Really? Yes, and it sounds great. Well, and you know how I feel about Hailstorm and Lizzie Hale. It's a, <laughs> it's, and it's, it's a video on YouTube, and it's about fourth row that they're recording this, so it's real close up, and they're... Uh, Lizzie Hale is doing the Aussie part of it. I'm going to have to go check that out. I would highly recommend it because it sounds really good. All right, where are you taking us next? Next, we're going to go to one. We're going to stick with the musicals. Um, obviously, I did the Anything Goes last time. This time, we're going to go with Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta with You're the One That I Want. Oh, Grease, baby. From Grease is the word, man. Back in 1971, the Broadway hit was what came out. It was... Phenomenal. It took the world by storm, and then in 1978, they made it into the movie. And in that year, everybody became either a T-Bird or a Pink Lady. Oh, absolutely. I was a Pink Lady. I, I don't doubt that. <laughs> this song, which was played towards the end of the film, showcased Travolta and Newton John's singing abilities and with their feeling towards each other in a more up-tempo style versus a slow love style of Hopelessly Devoted to You, which Newton John sang earlier in, in the film. Uh, let's take a listen. Now, the song is kind of a call-out and reply song during the verses, and they come together in harmony during the chorus. I'll be honest, I don't think many other people really could have pulled this off. Um, they pull off each, they play off each other's vocal range pretty well, and if you go to a bar during karaoke night and this song isn't done by at least two people, you're not in the right karaoke place. That's possibly a true statement. I absolutely, um, I'm a big fan of the movie Grease. I really enjoy that song. You know, and it's just one of those songs that, it's a feel-good song. And everybody likes a feel-good song. And it's a feel-good song that has upbeat lyrics, too. It's not like... Hi, this music is great, but it's talking about something bad. Right, right. Yeah. It's really happy music, but we're talking about death. Exactly. And I, I've i only seen Grease maybe three times. Oh, okay. I and have... My wife and I have a uh, wore-out VHS. Oh, Lord. And we wore out uh, a DVD as well. The reason that I really never watched it is because I kind of got burned out in my house. My sister sang for school. Okay. And so she ended up watching it. She went through a phase where she would watch that movie and scream, like, pretty much alternately uh, alternately throughout the entire summer. So I'm like, you know what? F this. I do not want to watch this movie because I'm sick of fucking hearing about it. I'm done with Grease. Pretty much. All right, man. What do you got for me? Up next, I got one of these songs that I discovered by accident, not actually not too long after it came out. It's called Wild Nights by John Mellencamp and Michelle Nagiocello. <laughs> and I'm doing that slowly because I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, but I'm trying to get her last name in there. This duet is just fun. It's uh, actually a 1994 cover of the 1971 Wild Nights by Van Morrison. Take a glimpse inside. Come on out and dance. Come on out and dance. Come on out and make romance. Come on out and 
took this to number three on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. This is simply a song that is about going out and having fun. Wild Nights are calling you. Lou, your impression on this? You know, and the original one by Van Morrison was a just a fun kind of bouncy song, and the new one that Mellencamp did was about the same. I mean, I don't think it really added anything to it, but it kind of modernized it a little bit, and it was still a fun song. Yeah, I would agree. I really enjoy it, and Michelle's voice is downright amazing, if you ask me. She absolutely does have a good voice. She actually toured with Jimmy Buffett. Okay. When I went to one of the uh, many Jimmy Buffett concerts I've been to, she was there on stage, and she's got a beautiful voice. It's just wonderful. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I like it better than the Van Morrison uh, song, but only because of that reason. Okay, that makes sense. So what's what's next on your hit list? The next that I have, and I guess, again, we're going to stick with musicals, apparently, because that's apparently everything I picked today, was Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Um, it was a callback song called Let's Call the Whole Thing Off. Oh, yes. I'm familiar with it. Okay. And this was actually, it was part of the 1937 film Shall We Dance? And it's a pair of two dancer, two of the best dancers of all time, actually, singing about their difference in classes, uh, upper versus lower, and gained fame mainly because of comparing the regional dialects. Now, let's take a listen. You say either, and I say either. You say neither, and I say neither. Either, either, neither, neither. Let's call the whole thing off. You like potato, and I like potato. You like tomato, and I like tomato. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Oh, let's call the whole thing off. Now, it's a classic back-and-forth song with two very good voices, and regardless if you care for the film, is entertaining to listen to. Many people have used the you say tomato, I say tomato, or you say potato, I say potato, but I'll be, I'll be hard-pressed to find people that actually know where that came from. I can see that uh, issue. I mean, I know the song. I didn't realize it was in a movie. You know, honestly, I don't know if I could have, you know, with a gun to my head, if I could have come up with that. No, no. In fact, I, I knew the phrase just like pretty much every else did. You know, uh, you say potato, I say potato, whatever. And basically it's something where people have differing opinions about something, but basically don't want to say fuck you. That they say you saved tomato, I say tomato and call it a day. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, next up. I have got, uh, now, now this song I want to preface, preface a little bit. It's Scream by Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson. Okay, this 1995 release from the Jacksons was a middle finger to the world. Michael was going through a lot with the allegations of sexual misconduct with, with children. You know, and through that whole thing, I kept saying, no, no, they can't be right. You know, Michael's not like that. But there's more and more of them piled on top of each other. You almost had to go, there's got to be something there. It's hard to refute when there's so much evidence. Right. We're not going to talk about that aspect of it. We're going to talk about the song, which I find to be an amazing song. It was a song that hit number five on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. It sounds like nothing Michael or Janet had ever done before. I really like this song. Here, listen to this. Michael even dropped an F-bomb in this song. And I heard that and I thought, I, I thought that would never happen. I, he had such a clean-cut image, I wasn't even sure he knew words like that. <laughs> you know, 
love or hate the guy, his music, he was a musical genius. Uh, I mean, he was the king of pop for a reason. Yeah. And what's your take on this song particularly, though? This song particular, okay, I'm going to make my jokes first. And okay. And that is that him and Janet look pretty much almost identical in that video. They do. And now, that aside, it was, you're right, it was a big middle finger, and it was very, it was... Oh God, I don't even know the best way to really describe it. It's just, it's just an entertaining song, and just it's, it's the equivalent to me of basically somebody standing in the middle of an open field, eyes to the sky, and just screaming out loud, which obviously is what they're going for. But that's how I read it. You know, just, just stop fucking with me, huh? <laughs> Why were you thinking the same thing? No, I no, actually, uh, that's the line I was talking about where the f bomb. He just sings, you know, or actually it's more of a, it's almost undertone. You almost don't hear it sometimes, but it's just like Michael Jackson said, stop fucking with me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you got next, Lou? Okay, next one I have is another musical. Imagine Yay! that. I promise the last one I have is not from a musical, okay? Just just so you know. <laughs> this one is Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor. The okay. song is Come Up May from 2001 in Baz Luhrmann's film Moulin Rouge. Now... It's considered the romantic theme. Um, it has Nicole Kidman's courtesan Satine singing to and with Ewan McGregor's writer Christian about their true love for each other. Let's take a listen. Suddenly my life doesn't seem such a waste. It all revolves around you. And no mountain too high. Now, I fell in love with this song when I first saw the movie, but I was a little apprehensive. And the reason is, is I'm not naive enough to think that all actors do their own singing. Because, let's be honest, many actors who try fail miserably. That is true. Um, Eddie Murphy. Eddie, uh, Eddie Murphy, actually. Uh, Bruce Willis. Bruno, you mean? Yeah. Keanu Reeves actually tried singing, and I'm not a big fan. But, and we could go on. That's a huge tangent, but I digress. I was very happy to learn that both actors actually did their own singing, and I personally think it sounds great. They seem to give it all, and to me it seems that they actually have a really good chemistry. Um, not just in the movie, but actually the singing itself. Uh, what do you think? I've seen the movie once. I'm not sure which song you're talking about, but all the music in that movie was fantastic. I'm kind of shocked that uh, uh, Nicole Kidman can sing. I, and I was actually probably more shocked that Ewan McGregor could sing. Because, I mean, Obi-Wan singing a love song was pretty impressive to me. Okay, he's Obi-Wan, but... I mean, how can you not be? I mean, yeah, Alec Guinness was the main guy, but who else could have pulled off a younger Obi-Wan? Who? Uh, yeah, no, I have to agree with you there. I was just trying to give you a little shit, because that's what I do. Uh, yeah, I know. So what do you got for me for the last All one? All right, so my last one is a song that, when I was a kid, I fell in love with. I think I saw the video on... Uh, MTV really early on in the career of MTV, you know, when videos were still just two people in a in a studio singing. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's Don't Go Breaking My Heart by Elton John and Kiki D. Uh, this 1976 song by Elton John and Kiki D is a fun song about a couple who are each other's everything. When they say don't go breaking my heart, they mean don't leave me. Here, listen to this.
Now, this pop hit made it to the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 all the way to number one. The mixture of vocal from Elton John, probably the biggest name in the world at, at that time, and Kiki D. Uh, who? Yeah, <laughs> That's what I much. always ask. But she actually released music up to 2009. Really? She has had 18 albums released. Uh, you know, this is one singer I may have to go back and check out. What do you think of the song, though? It's, it's fun. It really is. I mean, in... <laughs> You, anybody who knows Elton John or the history of Elton John knows about his style. Right. And is it Kenneth Dwight, I think is his real name? If yeah, I something, something like, like that. that. But if you go back, and just a little piece of trivia, if you go back and watch the video of those two singing, you see Elton John in his trademark, you know, crazy glasses yeah. and kind of like the white outfit. And they just, they have chemistry. And she's dressed in that little, those little overalls. Oh, yep, yep, And she yep. looks like she's about 12 years old. I wouldn't, I'll be honest, and I'm not trying to play any kind of race cards or anything, but I wouldn't have put this as a white lady's voice. No, I wouldn't have either. That's why when I saw the video, I was like, wait, wait, what? And I wouldn't have put it at a voice of somebody so young. No, no, that's right. I mean, she's, I mean, nowadays, if you look like Jackie Ivanko, the one from America's Got Talent, who just has an amazing voice. But yeah, I wouldn't have put that for her voice either. So that was actually kind of surprising for me. But yeah, they just have great chemistry and they play very well off each other. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Lou, wrap it up. All right, to wrap this one up, we're going to do one that... Now you said it's not from a musical. I promise that it's not from a musical, and I'm going to deliver on that promise. It was Lionel Richie and Diana Ross with Endless Love. Okay. Which is your namesake, I hear. It is today. All right. Now, this song came out in 1981. Uh, Lionel Richie and Diana Ross were R&B stars in their own right. Lionel Richie gained fame with the Commodores and then went on to a really stellar solo career in 1982. Diana Ross started with the Supremes until going solo in the 70s, and it really was only a matter of time before these stars collided. And when they did, the collaboration gave us Endless Love. Which is an amazing song. It is. Let's take a listen. Now, this is, as you hear, two is a love ballad between two people declaring their, you guessed it, endless love for each other. Wait, that's what this song is about? It's it's veiled pretty thinly. Okay. Okay. The first thing that came, this is honestly the first thing that came to mind to me when we decided to talk about duets. Because, I mean, what was, you want to do ones on duets? Okay, first one, done, right there. Didn't even have to think twice about it. So I'm glad you decided not to pick this one. <laughs> that's actually where I was on Don't Go Breaking My Heart. That was one of the first ones that came to my mind. Good, good. Um, and it could possibly be because I watched Happy Gilmore recently. That would do it. And the the whole friends watch Endless Love in the Dark together. <laughs> but um, no, it's it's really a really beautiful song. They have great voices. They harmonize really, really well. And I'll be honest, I think this is probably one of the epitomes of what a duet should be. And I can't disagree with that. I mean, it's a great song. Uh, it's got the star power behind it. There's no question about that. You know, Lionel Richie and his, uh, I was a big fan of his Dancing on the Ceiling album. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and then there was uh, Diana Ross. I mean, come on. It's Diana Ross. Exactly. So anyway, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. That is That is probably one of the best duets out there, even today. I mean, 
In fact, a lot of the duets I looked at from now, like more modern, like say 2000 and beyond. Sure. It's really hard to find a good one. Because a lot of the times, and this has actually happened with some of the songs that you and I already did also, is that they're a duet in the respect that they sing together, but they don't harmonize together. Right. Or a lot of times you'll have one person singing and another one rapping. And they call it a duet, but I'm just like, that's not a duet. No. No, that's that's just a band, basically. Somebody singing and somebody playing an instrument. Right. All right. So anyway, um, that wraps it up for this week. Thanks for coming back again. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can send us an email at uh, musicchallengepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Musically Challenged Podcast. Um, you know, so come check us out. Uh, send us emails. Uh, drop us a line on Facebook. It doesn't matter. And, you know, if we start getting enough of these things, we might uh, take a little bit at the beginning of each episode and read a letter or two. You know, just to, just to do something to uh, give back to you that are giving back to us. Until next time, keep on loving those you love. <laughs>